listen to Little Kim. You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't really know your music style. Like to be on, to be on this show, you see my wall of fame. Like you know, yes. you know what I'm about. I didn't know if you listened to Little Kim or not. You remember this song? I remember a lot of songs. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know if this was your lane. Like I don't, I don't, I don't ever remember me. Me and you were friends, but never remember riding in your car. You always ride in my car. Well, you know, you gotta, around. you want to hang with me. You gotta pick me so, up. Yeah, because you are. I mean, you're usually asleep or, or, or something like that. <laughs> but, but I, I know what I bump, but I don't, I don't know what you bump. What, what, what type of music do you listen to? Right now, I'm very much into '90s hip hop. So you listen to '90s hip hop. Yes. So who, who, who are you listening to? Um, yeah, Little Tribe. Who was I listened to? Wu Tang on the way in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, eclectic taste. What is, what is popular in Toronto growing up? Because this is before Drake. Hit the scene when so you're growing up. I don't want to date you, but uh, <laughs> this is before Drake was doing his thing. This is before who else is from Canada? I think um, who's the one guy? Cardinal official. Cardinal mm-hmm. from from Canada. Those are only two guys from Canada that that I'm familiar with. I'm not okay. dissing Canada. I don't I don't have anything but respect for Toronto. I've spent a lot of time at Carabana, <laughs> and uh, I've made that trip over the Niagara Falls border on many, many different occasions. But um, but what was what was popular growing up? It's probably you know. We're East Coast, East Coast right. hip hop. So a lot of uh, Biggie Smalls. All right, people listen to Biggie Smalls. We're into Lil Kim. Okay, uh, Puffy. Have you ever heard? I love that Queen B beat. Have you ever heard Biggie rap the Queen B song? Because he wrote it. Because you know the Little Kim. Yeah. He wrote. He ghost wrote all of Little Kim stuff. No, I've never heard. And him so you got to Google it on your way home. It's on. It's on YouTube, and Biggie's rapping. Huh the the little Kim lyrics that he wrote to Queen B and I wasn't into Biggie as what? a I wasn't into Biggie what? as a teenager oh my gosh and young adult I didn't really discover Biggie what? until after he passed away where, and where then I went then I went back under a rock? What do you mean? yeah I mean I just I just wasn't I was always into I was more into conscious rap so I was growing up I was listening to Common I was listening to Brand Nubian yeah I was listening to, um, then I, I fell in love. With, I was listening to Most Def and Talib Kweli. Like, I was listening to that type Fair of stuff, enough. like Ruckus Records. Yeah. That was all over Ruckus Records. Like, Shabam, Sadiq, those type of artists that don't sell any records, but they that they uplift the African-American community. So I wasn't into Biggie. I wasn't really into Nas. I, I hated Jay. Like, it's, it's funny because everyone's talking <laughs> now. Jay was saying that they have these verses yeah. that have come out during the pandemic. And I've seen a lot of them. Some of them are pretty good. Like I saw Jada Kiss murder um, Jim Jones at Dipset. Like that was the really embarrassing what Jada Kiss did to them. And then you've seen the ones I saw the, the RZA versus DJ Premier. Right. And you see some of the great artists that are that are going back and forth. So they're trying to find someone that can battle Jay. Right. And I'm not a big Jay fan. What? It's not really my thing. But Jay-Z kind of came out and he said that I can't do verses because there's no one that can compete with me in verses. And I have to agree with that because Jay-Z has a 25-year catalog true. of great music. Whereas true. Drake has a great catalog, yeah. but it's not a 25-year catalog. So you can't go song for song with Jay-Z because he's got a 10, 15-year head start. Like if he pulls yeah. out his stuff from like 94, 95, you know, most of these people that are out, they were they were in elementary school in 94, <laughs> 95, or even younger than that. That's true. And so it's hard to compete with with his catalog. But um, but yeah, you know, this is a this is a very hip hop centric show. Who 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 are your favorite as a as a female? I always love talking to ladies that <laughs> listen to hip hop. Who are who are some of your favorite I, female MCs? Female MCs. Ladies. 
question. Yeah, you can't MC even Light? think of it. MC Light, man, that's taking it, taking it way back. Yeah, I don't so you don't you don't listen to the ladies? Are there any lady MCs out of Toronto? Because I'm completely ignorant. Not that I can recall. Obviously, oh, okay. if there are, I don't remember a lot of them. So you don't like any of these young people? You listen to Kendrick? Not really. You don't listen to Kendrick? Okay. No. Uh, and you know I'm Jamaican, so a lot of the times I'm listening to like dance hall and stuff. All right. So, so who do you like at dance hall? It's well, just... you know, Beanie Man, Bounty Killer. Okay. The so classics. Play. All right. So the next segment, I have, pay, Cartel. I have to pay a little bit of uh, a super cat or something like that <laughs> going into the next segment. I wanted to talk to you. So we're talking about. And anyone that records with me and, and, and broadcasts with me, you, you have to, I don't, I don't tell people what I'm going to say before we start. Like, I think the conversation should be organic. It should be natural. So what I'm not doing, and I don't know if you watch those, those sports shows mm-hmm. where like Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp or Stephen A. Smith, they both get one side. So it's like yeah. before it's like, all right, Janelle, I'm going to argue pro this thing, it's right. like it's like the debate team. Yeah. And so I'm gonna be pro Canadian health system. You're gonna be pro American health system. It doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. You're just gonna make the 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 most outlandish clickbait <laughs> argument that's possible, and that's how they do the show. I don't really do that. I want to report the news. I don't want to manufacture the news. Um, I get a lot of comments of people that have seen you over the years. You know, just like, hey, who's your friend with the hair? Like your friend has great hair. What does she do with her hair? She has such beautiful natural hair, yada, yada, yada. Like I've had, I've had female friends that have complimented your hair. And I'm just like, why are you telling me? Like, <laughs> go find her on the gram, DM her, get her information, ask her about her hair secrets. In corporate America, I've been doing a mm-hmm. series on, on natural hair mm-hmm. for African-American women, especially yeah. in corporate America. Because there's so many microaggressions and there's so many things in corporate America where people try to prevent African-American women from wearing their hair naturally. Yep. They tell them that dreads are unprofessional. They tell them that braids are unprofessional. It filters in for executives. It filters in for medical. It filters in for someone that's a news anchor. But they're constantly trying to suppress Mm -hmm. black culture um, and and misappropriate black culture. And I wanted to give you a forum to speak on that because you've been very consistent. You're successful. Um, you have been consistent with your hair and you shared before you got into the vagina, clitoris, labia, <laughs> cervix, uterus stuff, you were talking about black hair yeah. and women's hair and your hair and skincare routine. I wanted you to talk about that. Um, just what, what do you feel as someone that is true to yourself? How do you feel about that in corporate America? Yeah, I think that's horrible. I will say that I have been natural before natural was like actually a thing. So I've always kind of rocked my What does that hair. mean? Like it, become more popular I'd oh say. you're saying you're doing it before it was popular yeah oh, okay yeah. I, I don't think i've ever seen you with a perm I've exactly known you for 20 years exactly I never, yeah i have no idea what you look like with your i look your great either way and, but I, you know I, very very <laughs> humble too um but what prompted that is that a family thing is that a jamaican thing no is that a toronto thing is it, that a janelle king it was kind of a, or like a janelle edwards at the time yeah. thing like what what i think it was i was in college so right. you know how old i am so i was in college and just decided i'm gonna grow my hair natural. i saw a picture it was in a magazine. I saw this girl. She had a great big puff. And I was like, I want that too. So I cut my mm. hair off, you know, did the big chop like most black women do and just started growing it out. Wow. What is what is black hair? And I'm just asking for your lens. This is yeah. why we have Janelle on the show. What does it mean to the culture? Because I can't. Hey, I've been bald since I was 26. So I think I was either going bald or completely bald by the time I met you. Um, and that's a that's a very horrible and harrowing experience to 
to see your hairline go back and back and back. <laughs> you know, you expect that in your 40s right. where I am. I can't speak for your age, but me in my 40s, I expect that. But to go bald at like your mid-20s, that's that's not a good look. Like that's, firstly for me, I look better bald. I look bad with hair. So it all worked out. But what is it? You know, I think for me, back when I had hair, getting a haircut, right. getting a trim and all of that, that's just part of your routine. You feel good. It's like grooming. It's like getting your nails done right. or pedicure or something like that. It just makes you feel whole. It's part of your, your hygiene and yeah. grooming process. What is hair to the, the black women in the culture? I think a lot of our listeners, especially our corporate sponsors and like the CEOs and, and leaders that listen to this show, what does that mean to the community? Because it's I think it's deeper than just you twisted your hair. Like right. it's really a part of the culture. It's what is, what the does culture, that mean? It's part of your identity. It's kind of like, I think the beautiful thing about black women and black hair is that you can do a whole bunch of things with it. Right. One day you can wear it straight. The next day you got locks down to your butt. So I think right. it's, it's part of our identity. That's why it means so much to us and why it's a big deal. And, you know, if we're in an environment where that's being suppressed, we, we don't feel like ourselves. Right. It's such a, it's such a major, it's such a major topic to me. And, and you see those microaggressions, you see where people just take it too far. And, you know, I've, I've, I've experienced, things that I thought were microaggressions. Mm -hmm. But as a man in corporate America, you always feel like you have the strength. Right. You feel like you have the ability to project. And I talk a lot on this show about women's rights. And I talk about fair pay for women. I talk about if you don't pay women fair, you're a fraud. And I think that this goes in, especially to the sisters, mm -hmm. which I know factually from being an executive, black women are the lowest on the totem pole as far as pay right. and title. Right. They don't get paid. They're getting paid 68 cents on the dollar and they're getting title much lower than their male peers. Oh, yeah. And then even their, their peers that are other oh, yeah. women of, of Caucasian descent. And I think that hair and appearance and everything, I think it all goes into that. I mean, it just gives you, it gives someone an opportunity to belittle and to push you down just one more, one more step. I agree. I agree totally. I think that, you know, any hair is, is such a big deal. And I guess right. because I've been natural such a long, for such a long time, right. it, you know, it doesn't affect me as much, I don't think. Um, but for women who are making that transition from straight hair to, you know, their natural hair, they think about those things and they think about how, how do I position myself if I'm going up for this promotion? Like, right. what should I do with my hair? And so, you know, people, I know people have said that they've, that they've been told to cut their hair off. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can't, you will not get promoted to director unless you straighten your hair. Yeah. And that's just so archaic and ridiculous, but there are cultures that allow and support that type of thing. Yeah. Now, does it matter on the clinical world? Do people in clinical really care about that type of stuff? No, I think, you know, different... Because I don't care if, if I have a heart right. attack and you're saving me. I don't <laughs> care if you're bald. I don't care if you're blonde. Like, I, I, I want a good nurse that's, that's going to help me. Right. Certain clinical systems will have guidelines around, you know, I worked in pediatric hospitals, so they had uh, guidelines around, like, hair color, um, but not around length. I think a lot, like you said earlier, like a lot of us are the frontline workers. We are right. the nurses. We are the techs. So, um, I, I'm, I'm going to wear my hair how I want to wear my hair. And I've never had any pushback. Thank goodness about it. You know, people just kind of accept it is what it is. Interesting. Well, what we'll do is we'll cut to, uh, one more break. We'll be back. I have, um, I want to get in. So there's a radio teaser. I'm going to ask Janelle when we come back about women's sexual health. So we haven't got into to sexual health. You know, you alluded to it uh, with STIs, but I'm going to, I'm going to get into some specificity on women's sexual health. I'm going to try to be mature <laughs> and not sophomore because you know that I have a penchant uh, for, for being extremely immature and sophomoric when it comes to such topics. But I'm going to try not to giggle my way through this uh, because this is a conversation I think that people need to hear. And we'll be back 
with more than Lance Shea Show after these messages. <laughs> Seven Studios. You are listening to the Land J Radio Network. As a former quality executive who has literally retrieved and coded millions of charts, I've worked with our new partners over at Episource for many years and am proud to now serve as a brand ambassador and part of their product development team. Episource is a global industry leader in chart retrieval, coding, quality analytics, and in-home assessments. For information on Episource, go to www.episource.com and fill out one of their contact forms to request a demonstration. Now, my kid Frankie's gonna go with you and he's gonna keep an eye on you, make sure everything goes right. Now, you see that guy that brought me in here? Uh, he's been taken care of and he's gonna set it up in his train to get me into the water. And all you gotta do is be there with the boat to pick me up. Look, Tony, this is not exactly the Listen, the contract's already down on your pile. The guys, the guns, the line pits already dug. You understand what I'm saying? And from in here, just one button I push. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.